Howdy, howdy, howdy. What's up, everybody? Thanks for tuning in. Uh, we will go through the sponsors here real quick. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Ryan Fager at Goldwater Bank. If you're thinking about a move or a way to save some money, Goldwater Bank is your answer. Rates that are among the lowest in the country and with their experienced hand-picked staff, you have yourself a pretty easy decision. I've personally asked any question I could think of and I got an immediate answer. That's how well-versed their team is. Trust me, if you are at least thinking there is a reason for you to reach out to a lender, make your first call to Goldwater Bank and I guarantee it'll be your last. Plus, being a federally chartered bank means they are among the elite few to be granted that status. So basically what that means is that no matter where you're thinking about moving in the country, they're going to be there for you. No fluff, no filler, just straightforward answers. For you or anyone you know, I personally recommend Ryan Fager with Goldwater Bank Mortgage, located right down south of St. Louis in Arnold, Missouri. You can call him at 636 636- Two eight seven zero seven eight six. Ryan Fager with Goldwater Bank. Reach out to them. See if they can help you out. Save you some money. We are also brought to you by Thoroughbred Wrestling Academy. Listen, you only get one shot at bringing your kids up. Why mess around with something that's that serious? Make sure you're bringing them up in the right environments with the right mindsets and the right approaches. TWA uses a science-based best practice approach to developing happy, healthy, and confident wrestlers who are not only prepared to reach the highest levels of wrestling, but also personal development aimed at creating young men and women who are prepared to be successful in all endeavors. TWA is consistently able to utilize an individualized approach based on what's best for each unique student. We don't just develop kids, we develop your kids. TWA is now enrolling all ages from 5 to 18 years, no experience necessary. We are also opening registration next week for our youth preseason camp, which will be November 3rd, I believe. That should be a Saturday. Whatever that Saturday is, it should be the 3rd. Uh, you can see the website for more details, TWAMissouri.com. So on today's episode, we have Coach Jeremy Spates. Um, I got to go over and visit Coach Spates over at Southern Illinois University, Edwardsville. It's a little drive over there. It's been a couple hours driving over there, hanging out with him. Um, it was really enjoyable. Uh, Coach Spates is a really good friend of mine, and so I really enjoyed our time walking around campus, beautiful campus, um, talking, telling stories, reminiscing. Uh, it's always a good time. I really enjoy my time that I spend with Jeremy. He's a very genuine, down-to-earth guy, just a really good dude, and um I hope you guys will enjoy it as well. I got to warn you, um, about 44 minutes in, um, it sounds like there's some problems connecting with uh, Coach Spates' microphone. Um, it's pretty annoying, and I really apologize for it, and I'll make sure that it doesn't happen again. Um, but if you can make it through, there's some good stuff in there, uh, and it's not as bad as it starts out as. So I apologize for that. Hopefully it doesn't ruin it. Let me know if it does, though, and I'll make sure that it uh, that doesn't ever happen again. So without any further ado, Coach Jeremy Spates. Hey. So what's up, Coach Spates? Uh, not much. I'm, I'm excited to be on uh, the podcast here. So. The podcast that doesn't have a name yet. Yeah, we, we were going to talk about that. I figure we could get into that a little bit later. Yeah, uh, I mean, the vision of it is, I, the thing is I try to compare it to a couple things for people to reference. The problem is that the ones that I reference, like nobody listens to, I guess. So no one knows still what I'm talking about even when I use examples. Yeah. Um, but the idea is just basically we don't have any kind of like predetermined or set agenda Okay. It's definitely not a formal interview of any kind. Just meeting with people that I know or that I want to know and hanging out and talking about whatever we talk about. It's mostly wrestling people, so it tends to be wrestling related, but it doesn't have to be. Okay. Well, I'm excited about that. I've actually been listening to a lot of podcasts recently. I, I hadn't been into them until the last probably two, two years, and, and uh, I've really enjoyed doing it. So it's, it's kind of interesting to be doing my first one. Uh, 
This is the first one you've ever been on? First podcast I've ever done. Popping your podcast, Jerry? That's pretty sweet. (laughs) Uh, I feel honored. I will say to the listeners, I am, it's allergy season and I am a little stuffed up here, so... Uh, my voice may sound a little bit weird, and I got a water here. I'm gonna. Sip I brought a water a too because I've had the same situation. I was coughing on the way over. Okay. I was like, Nobody's gonna want to hear me hacking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's just that time of year. Yep, for sure. So speaking of that time of year, I guess you guys are doing preseason type stuff or getting started in that stuff. Yep, we're in our preseason, and actually, we're walking down uh, my favorite pacing trail here on campus. And we uh, are on campus at the beautiful. Southern Illinois University at Edwardsville. Yep. And uh, it is awesome weather today. Expecting some thunderstorms, but continue. We're going down this trail. Yeah, so we're on, like you mentioned, on campus. Our campus is a beautiful, huge campus. I think it's a little over four square miles. And there's all these bike uh, jogging paths that, that go throughout campus. So I talk on the phone a lot as a coach, you know, talking to alumni and recruits and, and coaches. and. So this is one of the places where I come to pace outside so that I'm in nice weather. Uh, although we're passing some uh, tractor here, so it might be. That's all right. It adds some depth <laughs> to the background. Yeah. So you, we're not in some stuffy studio. Yeah, no, it recording is. Recording this. Like Mostly because I can't afford a studio. <laughs> like you said, we're, uh, it's probably about 80 degrees. The sun's out, and it is just an awesome day. So. For sure, for sure. So what do you, what's your guys' preseason look like? What do you... Uh, you know, we mix, mix I, it up. I know you probably pull a little bit from the days of your experiences uh, when you were in college, and I'm sure some of those are similar to mine. Yep. Um, came through the same place, so I'm sure you draw on some of that, but doing your own kind of twist on it too. Yeah, definitely. So we've always done very similar to the Missouri uh, preseason where you mentioned we both wrestled at and... Uh, you know, we, we usually do, um, before the season, there's seven weeks. So once we start school, there's seven weeks. Those first two weeks, we usually go a little bit lighter, let the guys kind of get acclimated. You have a lot of meetings, you know, we've got our NCAA sure. compliance meeting, our concussion testing, our team rules meeting, things like that. So those first couple of weeks, we go a little bit lighter. We'll get in the weight room a few times, have some open mats, just letting the guys get back. Uh, and then we get into a five-week harder preseason where we're doing a lot more running and lifting, uh, getting on the mats. The NCAA actually changed this. You may not know this. I don't. Yet uh, the NCAA changed the rule. So in the past, it was eight hours in your off-season. You're allowed eight hours. During your season, you're allowed 20 hours. Right. That's practice, lifting, everything, you know, um, and that's in place to make sure that the student athletes don't get too much put sure. on them. Um, I was talking with our compliance director yesterday, and it's like, with wrestling, we're never going over our 20 hours anyway, because wrestling's too grueling of a sport. Right. If you were spending all that time, you'd be worn out in overtraining. Uh, but they changed it. It used to be the preseason, your eight hours was, you have six hours of strength and conditioning and two hours of skill instruction. So you can be on the maps for two hours, everything else has got to be running, lifting, those type of things. Uh, but they changed it this year to a four and four. So okay. you can do four hours of skill instruction and four hours of strength and conditioning. We actually are still probably a little bit closer. You know, we're definitely doing more wrestling this year than we have, but I do believe the preseason is to one, get in shape, you know, and, and right. make sure. Right. And then there's a little bit of mental toughness that comes from that preseason, you know, sure. especially when you see incoming kids freshman year you know there's not a lot like you know running stadiums or hitting five and six mile loops things like that so a little bit to build that mental toughness so uh right now our schedule we we work out we so we do one morning uh lift during the week pretty much always during the preseason postseason during the season um so monday morning we lift Monday afternoon, uh, we're actually doing our club practice right now through our USA Wrestling Club. We've got the regional training center. Um, so we're doing it as more of a club practice. There's some, some uh, local kids that are coming up that, that wanted to uh, get good workouts with our guys. So we've been doing that on, on Monday, Tuesday. Uh, we're back on the mats and then we usually do a little bit on the mat and then we'll run. So today, for example, we're getting towards the end of our preseason. 
we're going to do a five mile loop and we're walking along the beginning of the five mile loop here so we start back where we started well, at least it's a scenic five miles it's a it's a nice five miles you go out here you go out by our soccer stadium which you've seen before we come out across go around campus and and then come back uh over by the lake okay. and and then hit this trail and and finish off uh actually right back here behind us um, so that is kind of one, one of the things that I, I stole from Missouri. Uh, Coach Smith called it a five mile loop. I think some people have mapped it and it's closer to a six mile loop. Uh, okay, but... let me, I can add some in here. Okay. okay so when I, w when I got in school, which I really just came in the year after you left. Mm -hmm. So I've always known as the six miler. Okay. And since then, it's been changed to the seven miler. Oh, is that what, okay? Am so I a mile off? I could be a mile so off. So it's on like that. now, <laughs> it's a set. So it went from a five miler probably to a seven miler. So I don't. I think it's a little closer to that. And I think they've changed. I'm not sure now. I can't. This is not speaking for now. This is for years ago when I was there. It was um, I know the the route changed a couple. It's the same route, but I think the direction changed. I, I think one of the guys actually, well, our uh, our new graduate assistant is Barlow McGee, okay. uh, right. who was the 125-pounder for Mizzou the last few years. So I was actually picking his brain uh, not too long ago and saying, you know, and some of it just for nostalgia reasons as, as we're talking right now, but, you right. know, what... Uh, what, you, what did you guys do? Are you still doing that loop? And, you know, we were walking through it and laughing and, and everything like that. So, yeah, that's uh, that's an interesting one. And uh, I, got a, I got a funny story that I think you'll appreciate. Well, I was going to uh, ask you about some other stories as well. So when you finish this one, I got okay. a couple other stories I, okay. I wanted to hear All about. Right. I, got, I got one you'll like. So I'm a pretty good runner, especially distance. I ran the mile when I was in junior high and stuff like that. And... We were on this six-mile loop, and Mark Bader was my roommate. We, we worked out a lot together throughout, and uh, he, people probably wouldn't realize this, but looking at him, but he's a really good runner, and he would beat me on the six-mile loop. Um, I came in... Wait, who is this? Mark Bader. Okay. Mark Bader. The bus. The bus is a great is a great runner. Okay, I thought a that's great, what you said, but then runner. you were saying he was a good runner, yes. so I just wasn't sure. And so I believe it. But. Yeah, and we were like I said, we were roommates and and, and very competitive with each other, and uh, so it always bothers me. I I never won the six mile loop. I just couldn't do it. As hard as I tried, he would get this huge lead because I was better towards the end. And I'd be chasing him down for a while. I couldn't see him. Then at the end, when you turned on to uh, the big downhill. On um, uh, Providence. On Providence. Yeah. I'd see him, and then I'd, I'd start my kick. I, I used to look up to Steve Prefontaine, so I had a kick. That was my thing. And uh, We are walking into a tunnel, too, so. Yeah, it might change, change a little bit in here. It's not a very long tunnel. So. This is our uh, only tunnel, too, until we hit it on the way back, so that'll be good. Um, but I always came in second or third. I think my freshman year, Cliff, Cliff Sutcliffe won, I think, a, a few of them. I'm, I'm not 100% positive on that, but never won one. So always frustrated, always trying to catch up, usually second to Bader. And the one year, I come running down the hill, uh, not, at, not at Providence, but one of the first big hills that you go down um, after you pass that grocery store. Four. Yeah, uh, yep. So That's the Schnucks. Yeah, so when you take There's a left, yeah, you take, too. well, you take a left at Schnooks, and yes. then you come down a big hill and then up yep. a really, really big Heartbreak hill. Heartbreak hill. Yes. by the MAC now. Yes, okay, so. The Missouri I, Athletic Center or something like that. Okay, okay. It's like it has indoor soccer or something like um, that. So I come down the hill, and I'm running, and I see Bader laid up on the on the side he, he had rolled his ankle he he rolled his ankle a lot in college and for some reason weak ankles, but he, weak ankles but he had rolled his ankle and he's laying on the side and i'm like you know that that sucks here's one of my best friends he's laying there hurt but I, in my head i'm like i'm gonna beat him and there was the checkpoint up at the top of that hill where the coaches sat and sometimes gave us water. Um, sometimes sat and drank the water and <laughs> ran by. Well, you're, water sure you're, talk, you're, you're talking about Horton, probably. Everyone, or Prince. Yeah. <laughs> Prince liked to do stuff like that. Uh, but, Horton, Horton would, uh, he'd like, what, I'm not, I don't mean to interrupt mm -hmm, your story. Mm -hmm. This is very quick. I like it. One time at a camp, we were late, and he made us run. He took, dropped us off seven miles out of town in this town in Kansas where we were doing a camp out of high school. 
and he told us to be back before second session. That was our lunch. So halfway through, it was down a gravel road, and he comes flying up this gravel road, and he's like, hey, guys, left you guys a box of waters. It's about half a mile up under a shade tree, and then cut a donut, and this gravel road kicked up all this dust while we were running. <laughs> and we had to find the water. Like, he didn't give it to us. Sorry. <laughs> no, not a problem. That, uh, that's, that's really funny, and, and I like that. That's definitely a Horton thing. Um, but so... I see Mark and, and I, I'm coming running by. I'm like, what happened? He's like, oh, I rolled my ankle. I'm like, are you all right? He's like, yeah, I think so. I said, I'll let the coaches know and just kept running. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the only time I won the six mile loop. I beat Bader on a technicality, but it's not th- a technicality. there's no, there's no asterisk in the, in the record book. So I'm, I'm claiming that one. He came up lame. <laughs> Freaking wear an ankle brace. Get high tops. I don't know what to tell you. Um, address the issue. So going back to our preseason, uh, we do today. We'll do a five-mile loop, um, and then on Wednesday we we lift and condition. Then Thursday we'll get back on on the mats, and then Friday we lift and and do hill sprints. Um, and actually, this is something we're trying a little bit differently too, which I'm I'm really interested in. Uh, I I think it's working so far. Our uh, our strength coaches they're really good they i call them strength coaches that's not their their exact title they do a lot more than just the strength they do our nutrition they do a lot of things like this and actually we're going to cut off and we're going to walk up this grass trail because it's pretty cool um it's like like a good disc golf lane so they have what this is it took me a while to figure it out i i drove uh one of our big recruits justin roughing around on these grass trails because we were killing a little bit of time in our golf cart but it's the water lines. There's a lake on campus. And, oh, okay. And so they keep these mowed so that the trucks can go out and service right. the water lines. But it's pretty neat, so I figure we'll walk up here. Yeah. Um, but our strength coaches are really doing a lot with heart rate, um, mm-hmm. trying to monitor your heart rate, try to control your breathing, things like that. And so they're doing, I'm probably going to butcher it, but they're doing a lot of tempo things where... You know, we're doing these hill sprints, but guys are wearing the heart monitors. They have a set uh, pace that they want to get you to, you know, so you stay in that um, in that optimal heart rate range. And then the purpose of it is to uh, increase our heart rate, increase our, our recovery time and just, you know, make them an overall better athlete. So that's one of the things we're doing on, on Fridays now. And that, that's been pretty neat to see. Um, you know, as an old school wrestling coach, it's hard to change. Right. So, you know, it was, it was tough for me to relinquish some of those things, but I think it's going to be, uh, I think it's going to be good, good for us in the future. So what about, because this is something I keep coming across is I've worked uh, close with a sports psychologist and with a biofeedback um, kind of expert in uh, one was Renee Ma- Dr. Renee Mapes, who was a sports psychologist. Yes. While I was at Missouri, yeah. Worked closely with her on the sports psychology side, and she's teamed up um, with Erica Tiemann out of University of Illinois, actually um, has done some stuff in Mizzou. I can't remember where she was at school there, taught there for a while. Um, but the uh, what they are doing is monitoring like similar stuff, but even more than just your heart rate. So they're doing, um, you know, accelerometers. It's a thing and you wear it, right? So you wear it for like a week and it gives you like your sleep and recovery, your heart rate, your, you know, how much movement you did. And what they're looking at is like stress and recovery. So like how much stress you're experiencing and then whether when you're sleeping or you're getting rest, are you recovering um, the amount that you would, that you've been spending, you know? The analogy that they gave me was like a battery. Hey, how you doing? Um, so what they want to make sure is that when you're stressing, that you're spending your energy out of your battery, but you're getting enough sleep and recovery time and other times like that, that... Uh, that you recharge that battery. Yeah. And so if you're working at a deficit, it doesn't work, right? Yep. And, and not to, uh, that's not exactly what I was trying to get at, but with the heart rate monitor stuff, you know, what what I, the little bit that I've talked to some people about this, what they say is that a lot of the wrestlers like train 
over their zone, like yep. where you want to be. Yep. And the debate that I had is, I believe in that, obviously, it's science and I'm not an idiot, but <laughs> the intangibles of that you kind of touched on earlier is like that mental edge that you get from being over that threshold. So from the physical, the, the you know, the biometrics uh, of how your body works, I 100% agree, but it's very hard to measure the part where it's like how tough you're getting by being out of that zone. Yeah. And I don't think that you would want to be there all the time or anything like that. But I think that you have to have times of that to deal with uncomfort or deal with discomfort, mm-hmm. deal, with, deal with discomfort and deal with that, you know, being really, really tired, being in a position where you're, you are breaking your body down. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you want to make a habit of that because it, that's how you injuries and, and overtraining and you're going to, you know, hurt your performance. But that's where it's like, where do you find that medium ground of getting the gain of the mental edge, but not going too far to where you're hurting yourself physically? Yep. And and honestly, the injuries is really kind of what spurred us to, to do this. We had a lot of injuries last year. Honestly, I think some of it was freak things. We had one kid who had a rare uh, spinal disease from when he was coming through puberty that they just found out. Right. Um, we had, you know, a couple shoulders, which are normal in wrestling, but a lot of it was early in the season. And, and the one thing that the, the strength um, staff and, and our training staff was saying is building to that peak, you know, and increasing your peak. Um, and so that's one of the things, rather than jumping right into a five-mile loop that first week, we started a little bit slower, and mm-hmm. we increased every week to where we build up to the five-mile loop. Right. Um, so that's one of the things that I'm, I'm changing a little bit based off, based off the science of it. But one of the things I told our weight coaches we got into um, – our second or third week of the preseason and things were going really well. I'm, I'm really excited about our preseason, honestly, but there was, I, I told him, I think we just need to do more. And, uh, you know, he said, okay, well explain to me what kind of what you're saying. And I, and I said, I agree with the science. Like you said, I, I'm, right. I think you phrased it. I'm not an idiot. Right. Uh, and I, you know, not going to say that science doesn't work, but there's also plenty of examples of things of people doing things that you're not supposed to scientifically be able to do. Right. And the biggest thing that I tried to relay to them is, you know, an experience of mine when I got done with a, a really tough December, January. We had gone, I, I think, five or six weeks in a row where I had wrestled top ten guys. Um, tough matches you're cutting weight you know and I was past that point where I'm feeling good and I'm at and I'm at that optimal recovery to go sure but I had to wrestle right I needed to I needed to go out and and win that next match for our team I needed to go out and win that next match for for me for the seedings for the NCAAs and you know you see that all the time you you know wrestlers are able to push beyond that mental barrier and i think you see it in other sports too it's not just wrestling right but i don't think you see it as much in a lot of the team sports because for an example if you're you hit that breaking point in a soccer game they can pull somebody else out and put them in there and give you a minute or two of rest so you can get that heart rate back down and you could get that recovery. Does that mean you're gonna to get to 100%? No. Sure. But does that, if you're running at 40, can you can you restart or put somebody else in, get back to 80% and then come back and, and do it? Right. Well, you can't do that in a wrestling match. No. Not like you can no. tag somebody out and say, right. I'm broken. Um, the other thing I think that factors into it too is, um, you know, I've told our strength coaches this is a few times. I I agree with the science, but I'm also looking at results. And, you know, I think you will see uh, that a lot of wrestlers can do things that you don't think are are possible. And I think that's one of the things we pride ourselves on, honestly. It's like it is such a mentally tough sport that you know, we pride ourselves that we're able to do things that maybe not all people can do. Sure. Yeah, I think um, the way that I relate to this is I have a problem now. 
Like this used to be a benefit to me, but now it's an issue. Is I don't know how to stay within that zone and build up my zone. So one thing I've struggled with is trying to like work out on a regular basis that's not just wrestling. Mm-hmm. Like, but the problem is that I generally will say, okay, the smart thing to do is you haven't been running, right? So just like you said, I'm not just gonna go out and go like, all right, you should go run three miles. Like, let's start building the habit. Let's set a time, let's get up and go for a one mile run. Doesn't matter how hard it is, doesn't matter how much you get pushed. That's not what it's about right now. It's about like building the habit of doing it. And then we can work up to pushing the the pace and make it tougher and, and run farther. But inevitably what happens is, say I get on a treadmill and I say, I'm gonna run a mile or 10 minutes, whichever is longer, right? So if I get to 10 minutes and I haven't, and I haven't finished the mile, I'm gonna finish the mile, but I have to be really running pretty slow. I can run faster than that. Yeah. <laughs> so I usually try to say, I'm gonna go 10 minutes on the treadmill to start, get back in the routine. Okay. And people listening, judging me, I get it. Okay, but here's where it gets tr- tough is Every time what will happen is I'll get to about eight minutes and I'll feel that urgency of like, I'm almost done and I don't feel like I've done my <laughs> Incline goes to 10, speed goes to 10. I'm like two minutes finishing with a sprint. Uh-huh. Next day, can't hardly walk. <laughs> and I'm about to throw up. I feel like I can't catch my breath. And I, but like, that's not a complaint. That's a saying like, for me, that feels like, okay, now I did, I did a workout. Yeah. But the problem is now the next day I won't go work out because I'm so sore from pushing yourself past what you were ready for right because i tried to go too hard too soon because i don't know how to like dial it back it's like feels like sometimes i only have like idle and pedal to the ground yeah yeah like either i'm gonna just play around and have some fun or it's serious and i'm it's 100 (laughs) percent. like there's no in between sometimes um so earlier i touched on some stories yep and we are talking about the six mile or five mile or seven mile, yep, whatever yep. it is. I've heard through the years of stories before I was there involving the seven miler. And I don't know if you have firsthand experience on any of those, um, but some of the ones I've heard about involve world champion Tyron Woodley, uh, Matt Pell. Any stories with any of those guys that you know firsthand of? I've heard rum, and, and I don't want to like lead because I, I don't know what's factual and what I've heard is is not factual, right? But I heard about one where somebody, maybe Barker too, I believe, I believe it was T Wood, they got a ride, like got you called know, a girl and got picked up or something. That's that's jogging my memory, and I think that that I think you might be right on that. I don't honestly remember the exact details. But I think that, (laughs) yes, I think there was a couple guys that as they were running, now you got to remember this is pre-cell phone days, so you can't, you can't call somebody. Right, that's Uh, true. This is, we still had the house phone back then. (laughs) Uh, So you couldn't call somebody on the run. I think now that you're saying it, that maybe there's some girls passing by, maybe even other athletes who they knew saw them and i do think i do think you're right because i think they got picked up at one part dropped off towards the end ran the last little bit to to finish off (laughs) then the other one i guess i think what i heard on this one was that it was maybe barker and pell i don't know if this happened simultaneously or if they maybe both did it at different times but what they proposed to smith was a deal that like, okay, say that we have four weeks of seven milers. If I run all my seven milers in one day, can I be done? I, I'm pretty sure that was a Scott Barker thing. <laughs> I think that was a Scott Barker thing. And I think he ch- attempted, and I think he got about two and a half That's what I, That was what was and, in my mind as well, and, about two and a half of them. And then, and then just died because, I mean, it also, when we were running these... Well, it's it, over a marathon to run four of them. Yes. It's like 28 miles, right? And... You got to remember, this is four, three thirty, four o'clock in the afternoon. In, it was usually hot. Right. Um, you know, it's in the fall, but it's before <laughs> the weather has broken. So a lot of times, those five miles, you're sweating, and you're sweating a lot. Hence the reason they right. gave us a little water break. I got my own 
Very embarrassing, okay. but very funny. All right. Seven miler story. Okay. So I'll set you up with. <clears throat> I especially my first three years. I didn't do things necessarily right. I wouldn't say I was lazy, but I wouldn't say that I was giving everything I had all the time. And some of that I think was also my own perceptions, right? Like I'm short, I'm stocky, like I'm not a good runner. I think some of it is uh, that learned helplessness. You know, like when you hear kids that are like, I'm not a math person. Yep. Like, you're like seven. How do you know you're not a math person? Like, how do you know that? And I think that I was just always like kind of put in my head that I wasn't really a good runner. Yep. So I accepted it and was like, oh, yeah, I'm just towards the end, not towards the end. It, I was always middle of the pack, that's all. Now to give you like frame of reference, my last two years, I was always in the top 10 to seven. And my senior year was always in the top five, generally like three or four. You had um, Chandler usually was a good runner, and then we had a few younger classmen that were, you know, 33s, 41s that were long and lean, had good frame for running. Good if I remember, stride. Tyler McCormick was a really good runner. Yeah, he I, wasn't there my I senior year, but yeah, he always beat me. Okay. Like um, the years that he was, he was a year ahead of me. So yeah. when I was a junior, he was definitely always beating me. He was one of the ones ahead of me. But uh, so what happened was, this was uh, probably like my first or second year, maybe. So I was still like a, I don't have any pool, you know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. just a freaking underclassman that nobody cares about. And uh, and I remember that we went out to eat at Buffalo Wild Wings the night before. And I must have been served some undercooked chicken. <laughs> and right about, I don't know, two steps into the seven miler, so with about 6.99 miles left to go, I just feel this like rumble in my stomach. Uh, that's the worst when you're running. Oh my God. Oh my, I like. <clears throat> so basically what, what happened was I ran the entire thing with like my butt cheeks clenched together at a waddle that like was barely faster than a walking. Needless to say, I was last. Last person done. Seven miles. My best time ever was 42 minutes. This one took me over an hour. <laughs> so, uh, the, okay, so at Providence, there's that shell, like Arena Liquor. Yep, yep. And as I'm passing by there, I start doing the math in my head of how long it would take me if I stopped to go to the bathroom there versus like how much time I have left. Because there's not much left. Yeah, right? yeah. Once you at that point, like you said, yeah. that's when you had your kick, right? That's the, that's so like, the ending. I can see, you can't see because there's a little curve there, but you can see the end in sight in your mind. Like, yeah. You can visibly, or in your head, you can picture like this little bit of road I got left and then Champions Hill and I'm done. So like I'm doing the math coming up, waddling up on Shell and Arena Liquor and I'm, I'm going, nah. I, once I stop, to go to the bathroom with this situation, it's gonna be like a 15 minute. It's minute. over. <laughs> like, I said, I, I gotta be like about an hour already right now. And I can't do like an hour and 15 minutes. I'm gonna get up there and there's gonna be nobody there. They're gonna have like packed it in, been like, guess who lost him? <laughs> and uh, so I, I'm like, screw it, I'm just gonna finish. So I'm going, waddling, and I turn the corner and I look up the hill. And everybody's done with the buddy push-ups and squats and anything you gotta do after you run. And Smith's in it. He starts yelling like, hurry up, you're the last one. What's taking you so long? And I'm like butt cheeks clenched together, waddling up this hill at like, I mean, snails are passing. Yeah. I'm going so slow. But what I see is right when I go get at the bottom of the hill where it starts inclining, to my left I notice a porta potty. Set up for like, the football games. Yes, yeah, so it's down yeah. behind the uh going up this way we're gonna so we're, we're gonna stop here i'm, I'm okay. gonna wait for a second let you finish this story and sure. then I'm, I'm, i'll mention something about this here okay so what happens is i pass this porta potty in that like tailgate area down back behind the stadium south side of the stadium below the hill of the arena of the basketball arena and uh i see this porta potty and i'm like oh yeah but i gotta finish first so I, I'm waddling up the hill, and Smith and Pritz are yelling the whole time. 
like just how slow I am. Just, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like what? What could you possibly? Yeah. How could no this idea. take they you? Have no idea. Yeah. Like, how are you? La- like, I was behind Mike Gunzelman, heavyweight out of Park Hill. Uh, not knocking on him. He's just heavyweight. Yeah. They're not going to run a world record seven miler. Everybody. I was the last out of everyone. And I get to the top of the hill and I get both feet across the line that is like the designated finishing crack. And I just turn around and take off back down the hill. Didn't say a word. Like I just turned around and went. And he's yelling me like, where the heck do you think you're going? I went down there. It was like the first or second seven miler of the year. So I think it was still August. If not, it was like the first week in September. Yeah. It was like 95 degrees outside. I get in that porta potty. It smells awful. Like it, everything is just terrible. Right. And it's so bad that I actually didn't even lock the door. Like I leaned forward while sitting and held the door and like fanned it open and closed just to get air moving. Cause it was like a sauna hot box of poop. <laughs> And, and just and you're already sweating and, and oh, smell nasty. Seven mile. It's just, just it was terrible. That was the worst one, four seven mile I ever had. Luckily though, it was early in my career because every year after that, I just think of that and be like, this is gonna be easy compared to that one. That's that's a good point. <laughs> uh, so I stopped us here. We're on the edge of campus. You can see our baseball field across the way in the cornfields. When when the corn's up, my wife calls it the field of dreams yeah, because it I looks like that. the baseball field that. in the middle of the cornfield here on the edge of campus. But I stopped because we're going to walk up this hill and the gravel hill. A lot of our guys call it. There were two hills, this one and another one down further by our soccer stadium. Okay that the alumni used to run back in the day and one of them was called heart heartbreak hill one of them was called agony hill i'm pretty sure that this is agony hill um and this is actually uh look at this little worm he's about to fry i'm throwing him in the woods there you go that's a way to do a good deed for that little fella all right sorry Uh, not a problem um so this is this is obviously a pretty big hill and it's not a, so steep but it's long um so this is one we'll run we're, we're going to come out it's here. steep enough yes if it's, you're listening it's a tough hill you yeah. can't see it and it's uh, steep so this is you you had mentioned pushing yourself beyond your comfort zone and and uh you know as athletes we did that a lot um and uh you know as coaches we we tend not to do that very much but right a few years ago probably three years ago we're running the hill, and I usually do a few of the sprints with the guys. You know, we jog out here, um, and I'll do it. I like to stay in shape. I want to be able to still wrestle with these guys. Sure. Um, think I'm young, you know, type deal. So we had a kid, you probably actually know him, Kyle Hostetter. He's at Neosho, Missouri. A little shout-out to Cody Crocker. Um, he was one of Crocker's guys. Uh, but Kyle was an 84-pounder, so he's got some size on me. I was a 49-pounder, walk around about 70 probably right now. Um, and Kyle was the odd man out and mostly we were doing sprints, but we did a, a couple of buddy carries. So I'm like, all right, Kyle, let's go. I'll jump on your back. Well, I jump on his back. We get up there and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do it too. <laughs> so I tell him, you know, Kyle jump on my back. He's probably about 195 and I'm, I'm cruising. I'm doing all right. And right up here, it kind of levels for a second. And then you get that second that last that last little false peak there you go that last little hill and i'm telling you what marcus i'm up here my legs are burning i've got that stomach churning that you were talking about not not nearly as bad but you know when the stomach's churning your lungs are burning and i get up here and i'm like i can't do this i don't know what i was thinking this was stupid and but then it clicks in you know hey i'm the leader of this program i can't quit you can't quit in the middle i can't quit and i get up here and i'm like about to drop i'm just holding on as hard as i can on that buddy carry you know holding the hands there and i just said i gotta power through it and i got to the top i made it made it through but it was uh you're alive today to talk about it. it was a very poor decision um, I regretted it probably. Well, once you're in the middle, though, I got to support that decision. <laughs> I couldn't quit here. You can't. I couldn't you quit can't. here. Well, how are you going to look kids in the eyes and tell them that, like, I know it hurts and I know it sucks, but you got to push through. Yeah. Unless yeah. you're me. And then you don't. Because you can just stop in the middle. No, it's it's funny. And that's one of the things I, I tell our guys sometimes is, you know, I'm not going to put you guys through something that I never did. You know, and luckily... Uh, between all my great coaches over the years and, and you know, just uh, pushing myself, you know, mentally. Got a lot of that from my dad, uh, who was a real hard worker. And, uh, 
Shout out to Jack Spades. And to Jack Spades, my mom, my mom as well, mother of four kids. So, you know, a good background there. But, uh, you know, I'm going to I'm going to push myself hard as an athlete. I feel like I really push myself. So I feel comfortable pushing our guys. We're freaking out in the middle of nowhere right now. So, yeah, I'll give you a little context here. This, this is, is still campus. We're still on campus. Because it we're, feels like I'm going deer hunting right now. Yeah, we're kind of on the edge uh, of campus over here. Um, the baseball field is kind of the corner. And this is actually something neat they were doing. Uh, they have a lot of different things. You'll see right there they have beehives. Jeez. Yep, and so they're doing beehives. This is a, a, um, a hydration system that they were probably, probably engineering, uh, agriculture engineering right. or things and they basically were doing some experiments down here growing some crops but we're on the back side of campus we're um not too far the lake is back behind behind here um the tower lake apartments which are now cougar village that were the original apartments on campus it was a commuter school for a long time is that where time. all the good looking older ladies stay <laughs> my wife my wife thought we should do some do a little play off on on something with that but i i didn't know how appropriate that would be but uh but yeah so the apartments are over here we're walking back the vc where we started is is right around here it's not too far we're going to walk through the intramural fields yeah but as we're telling stories i got another one that you'll appreciate so freaking love story yeah i know uh <laughs> one of our freshmen who who you're near and dear with is saul Irvin, right uh, of, of the Irvin family he's had a couple brothers that wrestled here his his dad robert and uh his uh Uncle Tim wrestled here. Tim, multiple time Shout all American. Shout out to Isaac, his older brother that wrestled here. Isaac, Isaac was here that as was well. Before your tenure, right? Or he was right before he he uh, unfortunately was out due to injury. Yeah, um, shoulder stuff. At that point, yep. Yeah, and, the same uh, surgery I had. We kind of reminisce back and forth about that. Yeah, shared our experiences with how terrible that is. So I actually have two Irvin stories. The first was my very first recruiting visit. I got here on. A Monday. Also, throw this out. Okay. Caleb Irvin, Robert's son, and Saul's older brother, who wrestled at University of Illinois. Is having a baby tonight? Today. Today. She, they induced her and everything. She's uh, on the way. They, it's probably already born now. I okay. turned my phone off, so okay. I don't, I, I'm not up to date. But that's, that's congratulations awesome. to them. Yes, yes, for sure. And Isaac is a few weeks away, I think, as well. Right. So they're going to be, Saul's going to be an uncle. Uh or, or maybe is an uncle. So I have two Irvin stories. The first one started with I'd been here for about a week, and Brock Irvin was was coming out, Tim's son, mm -hmm. and yep. so he comes out on on a visit, and it was funny because I didn't really know. I knew how to get from the dorm where I was staying. They they put us up there to my office, and that's about it. I was 7 a.m. in the office, 7 p.m. going home making recruiting calls. Uh, so I didn't know anything. So Tim actually gave me the very first tour. And I was, you know, giving them a tour of campus on his recruiting visit. But so you're Tim, getting a tour while giving it to him. Yes. And so that's actually how I know a lot of these places. The Robert story is... Uh, and I imagine that there's some stories that aren't going to be told that Tim told you during the, the, yeah, from they, his days on campus. Yes. If you ever come to one of our alumni events, you will have a good time because they were stud wrestlers back in the 70s and 80s, and they had a good time as well. So they, it, there's some great stories flowing around. But we were driving through here in the golf cart uh, with Saul and, and Robert. And Robert, uh, I probably shouldn't even attempt the Kentucky accent, but Robert told me, yeah, right here is where I got my, I have my tree stand, right up in these woods right here. <laughs> so you weren't really supposed to hunt, hunt on campus, but back then, you know, we've got a lot of woods, so they were uh, shooting deer out here, and, you know, venison's a, a healthy alternative, so it's good for weight cutting. Well, the so. Iowa guys, what was it, a couple years ago, got in trouble for hunting rabbits on campus? Yeah. <laughs> That's the problem. See, rabbits are too out in the open. If you hunt deer, nobody's going to see you because you've got to go back in here. hidden areas to see the deer. Yeah, so somewhere in here, is the remnants of Robert's tree stand from the 80s. It looks like a good spot, to be honest. <laughs> um, there's some right, really nice grass over with the fields. Well, you know, and, but you got cover over here. So. And I do think, I don't think these intramural fields were here at that time. So this was probably just all field like this kind of. So over, in reality, it was probably even better then because it was actually probably even more secluded. Yes, exactly. Even. And they could walk through the woods from from tower lake uh, uh yeah the apartments they could walk through the woods and and over to here so yeah there's that's some... a very common thing when i because I, I coached five years in, in kentucky with those guys and 
Man, you got to revamp your practice schedule once your season hits. <laughs> my 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 dad tells a good story of uh, of uh, Ricky Bonomo, who was a legendary wrestler back in the day at uh, I believe Lock Haven, but I'm not 100 percent positive on that. And every year he quit the team. He was sick of wrestling and he he was done and he wasn't coming back and. <laughs> That coincided with with deer season, and then after after the month, he was back on the team. <laughs> and I think Ricky was a two or three time NCAA champion. But yeah, every every year for deer season, <laughs> gotta get that deer hunt in. Yeah, that's pretty funny. So yeah, so there's there's a couple Irvin stories for you. So what else? Uh, who's who's the big uh, the big guys you got in? The big recruits? You, you guys had a pretty good class. What was? We had. Uh, I'm trying to remember what uh, they ranked the classes. Who was that? We were we were 20th on flow, and actually we we had a couple commitments after it came out. So I, w- I would have really liked to seen, uh, you know, one of the guys, sure. uh, Eric Bone, mm-hmm. is uh, 220 pounder. Um, worked out with Ben Askren, one of his club yep. guys, and and was ranked and he actually signed after those rankings came out. But I think we were 20 on flow and 25 on intermat. Uh, so one, it was a big class in general. We we had a small roster coming back, graduated a few guys. And so, you know, we, just numbers-wise, we needed right. a lot of guys. Right. And then uh, it was also a big class as far as studs. And, and honestly, I'll try to run down it real quick. Uh, and hit everybody, Austin Macias, um, was a two-time Illinois state champ, I think placed in Fargo five or six times, finalist in Greco, I think twice. Um, Aaron Shoeless was ranked in the top 100. Aaron was ranked uh, 90th, and he placed in Fargo, placed at Super 32. Unfortunately, didn't win state as a senior because he had shoulder surgery, and it locked out in the quarterfinals of state, and he had been wrestling with it all year. Right. Uh, but couldn't finish. Um, Honor Nguyen uh, is a Chicago area guy, and Honor was only a state qualifier, but he started wrestling late. I think he started wrestling eighth or ninth grade. Nice. Uh, he wrestled for one of our alumni, Tom Chernich. Uh, I believe Tom was an All-American here in the late 80s, early 90s, um, and is the head coach at Geneva now. So Honor, um, Saul Irvin, who we, we mentioned, uh, yep. Saul actually won the uh, Schultz Award for Kentucky. Um, three-time three-time champ, one-time runner-up, and you probably coached him for a few of those. Did you coach him for any of the state championships? I, or were you I had him here? his eighth-grade year, which you can wrestle varsity, varsity in eighth grade there. So he wrestled for our varsity team okay. uh, as an eighth-grader. Okay, so. Um, and I, I had Saul Baby. That was our little guy. Saul Baby, Probably yep, weighed like, like 87 it. pounds, wrestling 106 <laughs> and crushing dudes. Still a little stud. Yeah. Uh, they actually just turfed this field in. Last looks really year. nice. So yeah, this is where uh, intramural soccer. Need to come to my yard like this. And football, yeah. Um, but uh, so we're walking through the intramural fields for the people that can't see it, and then obviously we can see the VC again right. over here. Uh, so Saul Irvin, Coleman Brainyard. Um, Coleman is out of Rolla, Missouri. Yep. He was a four-time placer. Unfortunately, he was same thing. He wasn't able to win uh, a state championship this year. He. Uh, Got slammed and got a concussion in the court in the semis, mm-hmm. so he, he advanced to the finals, but wasn't able to wrestle. Uh, but Coleman's Coleman's real tough. Uh, and then Nick, I always say it wrong. I want to say Blease, Nick Blice, uh, out of Michigan. His older brother wrestled for for Minnesota. Um, he was third in the state of Michigan this year, losing to a real tough kid. Um, and then. Uh, our biggest recruit on paper is uh, Justin Ruffin out of Georgia. Justin was ranked, I think at the time he signed, he was ranked in the 50s. And then he actually beat Art Lalona twice, the Fargo National Champ, during once during the year, once after. And so jumped up to number 25 in the rankings. And uh, I had mentioned him. I had just found these grass trails. And he came on his visit on a Monday, Tuesday. It was their fall break. So it was kind of a weird time. So we actually drove all around on these grass trails and stuff. And I see Justin's got his phone out. And I didn't. I'm old. I don't know what Instagram is. You know, we've got one for our team. But I'm like, what are you doing over there? He's like, oh, I'm doing the Instagram story. Or maybe it was Snapchat story. Sure. I don't know. But he was doing the story as we were going. So that was a pretty fun uh, experience. And I found all these cool trails through the woods and everything. Um, 
but uh so justin and then we had a transfer and, and this is funny we have 12 freshmen and a transfer kevin schwetner um was a two-time placer at pontiac high school uh -huh. in illinois um and then went to uh, a school, went to Plattsville, I believe, last year. And then, you know, just wanted to really give his hand at the D1 level. So uh, came back and, and transferred in with us. But we have 12 freshmen and then Kevin. And they've all got to do the beginning of the year stuff, you know, right. some of the upperclassmen don't. And so it's always, everything's like freshman plus Kevin on our group text or yesterday or this weekend we had a speaking specialist who was like, hey, freshman plus Kevin. So that's one of the things we laugh about now. Our guys think it's funny. Kevin gets picked on, but uh, Kevin's doing a great job for us. And then uh, Ryan Yarnell, who you might know. Uh, know Ryan? <laughs> Ryan's wrestled for me, I think, two, two and a half years. Yep. Something like that. I mean, we've only been open for three years, so. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Ryan's great. Ryan, tell me if I'm wrong, was third and first in the state of Missouri. Yep. His last and two years. Con uh, just a plug that I just said he wrestled for me for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> third and then first. And his senior year really wasn't challenged very much, I don't no, think. No, I think he had a couple year. close matches, but yeah. that's about it. Yeah. Um, he's a great scrambler. He spent some time with Ironman. Um, yeah. Which, when, when I say that, didn't, he still went and worked out with Ironman, but Ironman from where he lives is like an hour, 45 minutes, two yeah. hours. Yep. Um, so it was just a lot geographic a better situation and Mike and I are close so I didn't want people to think that, that was something yeah, yeah, taking yeah, yeah. one of his kids it was just a geographically it was a lot closer for him to start yeah. coming to me and and uh, I know Mike real well and we talked about it and uh, and Ryan had a lot of good uh, scramble mat wrestling abilities um, coming from Mike you know so yeah and it's really hard to finish on, really tough to wrestle. And and Mike is is great. I wrestled with him my last, I want to say, I think two years he was there. I know for sure he was there my last year, uh, but we got to be good friends, and he really helped me a lot. I I give a, a lot of credit to, uh, you know, all, all my coaches. We've mentioned Smith and, and Horton and, and Pritz, who was one of my main guys, and then my last couple years, uh, you know, Ironman came in, and, and actually Scott Schatzman. Uh, yeah. I did a lot with Scott, and actually lived with him my my senior year when he By was By the way, if school. Scott or anybody knows Scott, listen to this. He hasn't returned my call because I called him to ask to be on, ask him to be on the podcast. <laughs> so you got to get. Hold of Scott. He's we, my lawyer too, so <laughs> you should return my calls. But we got to get a hold of I'm Scott just because Scott. I'm not Scott. Dome will have to give a real quick background. Was the first ever four-time Missouri State champion. Was he undefeated? First time, first time, undefeated. first time, four-time undefeated yep. state champion, and then went on to be a three-time, I believe, All-American at Northwestern. Beat me, beat me twice. Uh, so I'm not happy about that. But, <laughs> um, and then got his MBA from Northwestern. And then went on to get his law degree from Mizzou. So Scott is a stud wrestler, and he's stud uh, academically and just, you know, very knowledge. Just very a very smart, smart dude. dude. Yes. So Scott actually came over for our Northwestern match last year. Uh, we had him come over, which was awesome. We really appreciated that. So real quick before we go, we can slide back that way and go back up the trail, or we could go this way. How are you doing on time? I got about zero minutes left. About zero, so let's go. I've got a meeting over back in St. Louis, which is about 35 minutes away. Trying to give myself enough time to get over there, and I wish that we could stay here all day because I could walk around for another two hours. It's nice out here. Having right? a conversation, enjoying campus, hanging out with you, which that's the thing that I like about this podcast is like, you know, maybe we wouldn't walk around campus, but it's not that uncommon for us to get together and talk for an hour or more. Yeah, yeah. And a little background on that for us. Obviously, I knew Marcus uh, from his time at Missouri. A lot of mutual friends with, with Bader and guys like that, Ben. Um, and then when I moved back here, you were coaching out at Union County in Kentucky, yep. which is a few hours away. And we, we mentioned that connection. So we got to know each other a lot better through that. Sure. And then once you've moved to St. Louis, we, we get together and uh, you, you've helped us with our camps the last few years. I've come over to your place a, a number of we times. We both have and, little girls that are... Yes. How, how old is uh, Viv now? Viv is a year and about to be five months. Oh, so. She's a lot, a, quite a bit older than I, I 
So I find myself, this is something that I've thought about multiple times, like, wow, she's way older than my daughter. It's like, my daughter's 11 months, so really they're like six months apart. Yeah. Which is like in the scheme of an, like when you're an adult. Yeah, like, yeah. Whoa, our birthdays are really, we're only six months apart. When they're like six months old, it's like, you're twice as old as her. Yeah, was Jameson born in September? October. So October, she, okay. This last okay. weekend, she just had her, she was 11 months. Okay. So okay. she, first birthday coming up, this, uh, okay, I got something else I'm going to talk about. All right. This will be fun. Is uh, So her birthday's coming up, and apparently I'm like, we're the worst parents because we didn't want to like make a big deal, right? And then everybody's like, you got to have a birthday party. It's like, I don't know. I mean, I don't feel like she's going to remember it. <laughs> it seems like a, kind of a... We, we did like three because we had my, my mother-in-law, Ann, came in, and then... My mom came in, and then we did the one at the school. So yeah, it's it was like a week long celebration. So I'm I'm going. This is what what I said then. Fine, <laughs> we'll have a little get together, some family and friends. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna make the cake though. We're not spending money on a cake. I'm gonna make the cake. So last week, well, you know, because again, like I said earlier, I'm not an idiot. I know my own limitations. I know what I'm capable of. But I know also that you can't, just because I think I can do something doesn't mean that I can do it right the first time. Okay. So, you so I was like, all right, I need to do a couple practice cakes. I like it. That's smart thinking. So that last week I did my first run of practice cake. And dude, I'm telling you what, might have to extend the academy and include a bakery. Because what what flavor are you going with? So this one that I baked was uh, a triple three-layer cake. Had dark chocolate cake in the middle, or on the bottom, strawberry cake in the middle, and dark chocolate cake again on the top. So black, pink, black, with a white vanilla buttercream frosting. Oof, that sounds pretty good. I ate the whole thing. <laughs> so I think next week I'm going to make another one, and we'll see how heavy I can get by her first birthday. <laughs> no, it was, it was fun. And uh, we've been addicted to some this Netflix show, The Great British Baking Show. I've, I've seen it once before. I've not sat down and watched it. I should I, say I know what you're addicted. So I know like, what you're I'm not talking. that addicted, yeah. but I enjoy watching it. So if she watches it, I'll watch it. Yeah. Well, I've learned a lot because I sit there and watch it. Yes. Yeah. And so it definitely made that first run a much more of a success than it would have been probably if I wasn't watching some sort of show about baking. Um, but that's my, that's one of my little projects for the next couple weeks is to practice and get a good, uh, a good skill set in baking that cake so that she can just tear it apart and smash it and rub it all over her face. It's funny that you mentioned that because in college, that's part of the way I learned to cook. I knew a little bit from my mom and, you know, we tried to eat healthy in college. So we had the foreman, you know, we'd cook the grill stuff on but I would watch when I was cutting weight and I really wanted to eat things I would watch the Food Network so that's one of the things me and Vader would sit there and watch the Food Network food porn. so that's what yeah it was uh, and then when we got done we would go and, and try to make the things you know that we saw one time tried to do fried fried Oreos which was delicious uh, and uh, yeah some things like that so it looks like we're, we're rounding up here, so the last thing I want to talk about, sure. unless you have anything else, is what's, nope. we got to talk about the name of this podcast. What's, what's the name the, of the podcast? What's the word? Well, so my, uh, my first iteration of the title, it was just a working title, I, I haven't really put it anywhere, was uh, something to the effect of like, wrestlers getting coffee and telling stories. Okay. Now, that may seem silly for the people who have listened because this is episode two and we haven't got coffee yet. <laughs> but when I got to Manly, he was just finishing up team pictures and he was hungry, so he wanted to go eat. Yeah. And then you guys, today we had some scheduling conflicts that happened. Yep, I no apologize. Big deal. All good. <laughs> but we were cut short on time, so we just didn't have a lot of time. And it was perfectly, it was great the way it was, was walking around campus. We didn't need yep. to go get coffee. Yep. But I got a feeling that's probably what most of them will be sit down in the future and, and have some coffee or we'll grab a coffee and walk around yep. or you know something yep um just because what i think is that puts people <laughs> at ease because it's it's uh familiar yeah and that's what i tend to do is not go hey 
we called it wrestlers getting coffee and telling stories. So we got to go get a coffee. Yeah, I'm yeah. gonna do whatever they're comfortable with because that will make, that's what makes for the best conversations when you're comfortable and you're in a familiar environment. Yeah, I will. I will say for me, it was nice because we walked down the trail and walked around did some different things it brought up some stories obviously with some of the alumni and things like that so yeah definitely i think this would be better than just a, a sit down and you know right. we're, we're having this conversation and yeah and i got some steps in there you go yeah, do you, work that cake off do you check on your do you have your steps on your phone i used to you know i had a um i'm like i don't do the iphone yeah anything. yeah I, I just i don't know i've always had androids and I don't have a problem with them and I enjoy them and I don't want to change it over. So I don't have an, uh, like an Apple watch, but I had a Samsung watch and I freaking lost the charger for it like four months ago and I can't find it. So I was keeping track of all my steps and my activity until I lost my charger for my watch. So now I got to order a new charger for this watch so that I can I gotcha. we, get back on it. We, I usually don't track my steps. I, I get enough workouts with the guys and things like right. that. But uh, it was funny, and you'll appreciate this. At, at Fargo this year, one of the, I think it was Dominic Moyer from NIU, was yep. the one who brought it up. And, and then we were all, I think it was Trace, and, uh, or not, I'm sorry, not, uh, not Trace. Um, it was uh, their other assistant coach. And then uh, I think who else? Mike, Mike Poeta might have been in there with us, but we were. We were all comparing how many steps you do in a day at Fargo, and it was a lot. <laughs> I don't. Remember. I can see that because as soon as you said that, what I thought of is like anytime when I'm at Fargo and I don't have like I'm like looking at the notifications. There's nobody up right now that I'm responsible for. There's none of our guys from our state wrestling. I'll just take off walking. I'll be like. It's, it's going to be like two minutes before I bump into somebody that I know. Or go <laughs> look for talking. another good match. Yeah, you know, that's true. Yeah. You see well, that's somebody. usually where you find them. Yeah, like, exactly. You just come up and see somebody like, hey, what's going on? Like, oh, so-and-so is wrestling so-and-so. Like, oh, okay, cool. I'm yeah. sit here and watch I'll this watch match it. now. That sounds like good match. And then when that's over, you get up and walk to somewhere else. And then we'll so. set up two nights. <laughs> what's up? A lot out there, boys? It's hot. It's hot. We covered we, some miles. We just got back to the office. <laughs> this is the happening place right here. Yeah. Sorry, guys. Yeah, I just. So that is, uh, we're we're back in my office now, and and outside we just walked through the assistant's office, and that is our weekly academic meeting where we meet with our academic advisors to go over um, how everybody's doing academically and make sure everybody's going to study hall and all that fun stuff. What they're supposed to do. That's awesome. Well, I appreciate you making some time for me. Yeah. And I'm going to scoot back over to St. Louis, see if I can make this meeting in time. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad to do it. It was a lot of fun, and I appreciate, appreciate it. Yeah, you'll have to be on again. Okay. All right. Sounds Thanks, good. Thanks, Jeremy. Thanks, Marcus. What's up, everybody? Thanks for tuning in. Uh, we will go through the sponsors here real quick. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Ryan Fager at Goldwater Bank. If you're thinking about a move or a way to save some money, Goldwater Bank is your answer. Rates that are among the lowest in the country and with their experienced hand-picked staff, you have yourself a pretty easy decision. I've personally asked any question I could think of and I got an immediate answer. That's how well-versed their team is. Trust me, if you are at least thinking there is a reason for you to reach out to a lender, make your first call to Goldwater Bank and I guarantee it'll be your last. Plus, Being a federally chartered bank means they are among the elite few to be granted that status. So basically what that means is that no matter where you're thinking about moving in the country, they're going to be there for you. No fluff, no filler, just straightforward answers. For you or anyone you know, I personally recommend Ryan Fager with Goldwater Bank Mortgage, located right down south of St. Louis in Arnold, Missouri. You can call him at 636 Two eight seven zero seven eight six. Ryan Fager with Goldwater Bank. Reach out to them. See if they can help you out. Save you some money. We are also brought to you by Thoroughbred Wrestling Academy. Listen, you only get one shot at bringing your kids up. Why mess around with something that's that serious? Make sure you're bringing them up in the right environments with the right mindsets and the right approaches. TWA uses a science-based best practice approach to developing happy, healthy, and confident wrestlers who are not only prepared to reach the highest levels of wrestling, 
but also personal development aimed at creating young men and women who are prepared to be successful in all endeavors. TWA is consistently able to utilize an individualized approach based on what's best for each unique student. We don't just develop kids, we develop your kids. TWA is now enrolling all ages from 5 to 18 years, no experience necessary. We are also opening registration next week for our youth preseason camp, which will be November 3rd, I believe. That should be a Saturday. Whatever that Saturday is, it should be the 3rd. Uh, you can see the website for more details, twamissouri.com. Thank <laughs> you.